Yeah, Daddy-o, it's a freaky scene. Uh, welcome along. Uh, six after eight o'clock, the Sunday edition of the Weekend Variety Wireless. It's a bit musicy, actually, this evening. Um, no particular reason why, other than it's just the way it is uh, and how it's fallen. You know, sometimes when I do musicy things of an evening, other than Grant Smithies, which takes about, I don't know, eight, 12 hours to edit, he doesn't know this. I keep it from him. I keep it secret. You, you should hear the mess that he delivers with the uh, albums turning 40, albums from the class of 1978. Anyway, you know, musical things. I actually feel that it's like, oh, uh, I'm being lazy or something. It's just kind of a little bit easier. Um, but I don't think this is today. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Steve Kilby of the much, much loved Australian band, otherwise known as The Church. No, they are known as The Church. They're coming here December 4th, Auckland Town Hall to play some hits. It's the 30th anniversary of their Starfish Tour. Steve Kilby, later on this evening. What was it like growing up in Canberra? Bloody yeah, awful. <laughs> Canberra was like eternally being in New Zealand. Really sterile. <laughs> nice one. He's franking up front. Good on him. Uh, also, later on this evening, a staggering story. I had no idea. Uh, it was in the Second World War. The Desert War, Egypt, Libya, that outfit, lots of New Zealanders there. And one New Zealander in particular pulled off an amazing feat of survival. It's called Moore's March and it's going to be on after 11. Water was gone and they knew it was just a matter of time now before they died of thirst unless someone could find help. They'd actually been reported presumed killed, missing in action, so there's no one even looking for them, Graham. Tenth day or so, the sound of an aircraft engine. He swung around in a wide loop and over them he dropped a small packet of food and a bottle of lemonade that he had in the plane. Now, they never found the food, and would you believe it, the cork came out of the bottle when it landed on the sand. There was only one centimetre of lemonade left in the bottom. Oh dear, you will get images, probably ingrained from movies, of someone like Alec Guinness in torn khaki shorts, staggering on a brown desert, because that's exactly what happened. Oh, this is so pretty. I love Cat. Cat Stevens. We've got a Cat tribute artist. And because I had him at the end of a tether, I thought, I'm going to ask about what he thinks about T for the Tillerman. One of the most stunningly recorded things I've ever heard. It really is astounding. Doing. Where were the microphones put? That sort of thing. Maybe a little bit nerdy, but what the hell? I got him in to talk about it anyway. People love Cat Stevens, especially his lyrics. My drummer rehearses outside a black I prefer his music because I think he was caught out after writing Where Do the Children Play, conveniently forgetting that he'd already written Do You Remember the Days of the Old School Yard? That's where they played Cat. You've already mentioned it. 
Okay, my grievance, number 161. Uh, these are first world problems, but they're worth talking about at length, ad infinitum, until you get sick of them. I am about to complain at a funeral. Almost literally at a funeral. I'm complaining at the time of a funeral. Very sad, although not unexpected, that Aretha Franklin died this week. There was a vigil. Uh, but there's the song. You know the song. This one. Okay, so you're spelling the word. I know how it's spelt. Why are you spelling it for me? I've always had a gripe about this. Aretha, lovely voice. Thank you. You're marvellous. But I know how to spell respect. This is not the Wiggles. This is not Sesame Street. Thanks, yeah? And I thought, thankfully... At least it's not Aretha's fault, it's the songwriters, isn't it? Respect is, is such a great story because it hardly ever makes lists of the greatest covers of all time because people just assume that it's Aretha's song, but that was written by Otis Redding. And, and it's a travesty that Aretha didn't get a co-writer's credit when she covered it because if you go back and listen to the original from Otis, it, it's a good song, but it's, it's not a great song. But Aretha took that and then, you know, obviously switched the gender around. She added the R-E-S-P-C-T part. So oh, no! How, what a sad thing. She was the one that added the R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Why spell? Why would you spell in a song? There are very, very, very few examples of why it's anything other than just lame, lazy filler. And I am including you in this, Mr. Van Morrison. Really? What's coming up next? Ooh, whatever next. Ah, maybe? Yes. Oh, thank you very much for spelling it for us. What have you done to help us of a day? It gets worse, folks. Um, Gwen Stefani. Most of her videos are just soft porn. Thanks, Gwen. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. You have officially wasted our time uh, in the entire regaling of the fact that you can spell bananas. What do you want? A medal? You can spell bananas. It gets worse. Here's uh, the tune called, called Gold by Run the Jewels. I got a bad girl. Got a brain with an ass girl. She got a mean pop. I got to lean to the way I walk. And I get it like gold. G-O-L-D. G-O-L-D is gold. Thank you very much. Aren't they clever? G-O-L-D is gold. G-O-L-D. G-O-L-D. That's I got a good thing with a bad bitch. Okay. I put this up on Facebook, complaining about R-E-S-P-E-C-T and any spelling in music, and was inundated with an email. Uh, several, actually. 
with some wonderful examples. Faith no more. Uh, be aggressive. Thank you very much for reminding me about this. I'd forgotten that it actually did spell anything. Aaron Lucas of the Weekend Variety Wireless Facebook fame. Here is uh, Faith No More Wasting Our Time. When that came out, I didn't actually realise they were spelling it, but they are. They are actually spelling B A double G R E S S I V E. Have you got it yet at home? This is just an eternal waste of time. Uh, stop it. Spelling in. Stop spelling in music. Uh, there are some exceptions, though. There are brilliant pieces of music like um, "Creep" by The Fall. Oh, he's dead. That's right. Uh, Marky Smith is dead now. This is stupid as well. I wouldn't dare say it while he was alive. It's called there were repercussions. Oh, it's one advantage of him passing away. Uh, it has been put that Stephen Morrissey used spelling amusingly in Ouija board. Thank you very much for mentioning this. Uh, Tony Fisher, a big fan. The glass is moving, no, I was not pushing that time. It spells T E V E N. Get it? It's a Ouija board. You spell things out. That's his excuse. That part, that's why it passes muster in my book. The table is rumbling. The glass is moving. No, I was not pushing that time. Push off, P-U-S-H-O-double-F. Stephen Pushoff is what it said on the Ouija board. If you're going to spell in a piece of music, why not misspell it and make it interesting? Or perhaps there's a deviant way of spelling or an alternative spelling. You want to disambiguate something. Uh, Where's Not Wallace did a great tune called, Dad, I'm in jail. I like it here. It's great. Jail, G-A-O-L, or alternatively, J-A-I-L. Something like that. That would be useful. Uh, Where's the playground, Susie? The one that spells it, S-I-U-X-S-I-E. That would be better than just spelling something out. If it's got an alternative spelling, that would be good. Otherwise, it's just a charmless filler. There are more. Thank you very much to, uh, where are we up to? Oh, a shocker here from the 1970s, a band called Pearls. Thank you, that really helps. You've told us how you're spelling the word that you're saying. As if this wasn't bad enough, this this wasn't the lowest form of lyric writing, it does get worse. It's like limbo dancing. How low can the 
compelling idea in a song go, it can get worse. And a stunning example, not a criticism of the band's music, Uriah Heap. Thank you very much, Paul McKee, for pointing this out. Spelling is abandoned. It's just simply the alphabet will do. And I don't know why. Uriah Heap. I'm not kidding. That goes on for another three minutes and 50 seconds. I kid you not. It is the alphabet. I have no idea why. Maybe there's a secret Uriah Heap thing going on, but it is just the alphabet. That's lower than spelling. And thinking about spelling and why R-E-S-P-E-C-T gets such a pass, it's not just that she's dead, it's just people don't think about it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, for goodness sake. It got me thinking about one of the finest pieces of spelling audio I've ever heard in my life. In 1997... A gorgeous, animated, vibrant, spunky, cocky young girl by the name of Rebecca Sealfon won the New York Spelling Bee. And she did it in such style. She should be remembered. Well, she will be remembered this evening. She is about to be. Here she is. The final word was euonym. E-U-O-N-Y-M. No music necessary. This is how you. This is how you spell. U and M. Is what you meaning good? Yes. Is what Anna meaning name? Yes. U and M. She still has to spell it. E. Rebecca Seelfond. Rebecca Seelfond. To present the 1997 National Spelling Bee Champion Katie representing Kerwinis. the New York Daily News, Rebecca Seelfond. <laughs> she gets the prize and tears it out of the man in a suit, tears it out of his arms. Give it to me, give it to me. She's a stunner, Rebecca Seelfond. And so I thought, if that that is the best spelling audio-wise I've ever heard in my life. And I thought, I think I know just the piece of music to put it to. Next week, Grant Smithies and myself will be doing uh, an in-depth piece on a great New Zealand band, two, two bands, same people, the Gordons and Bailter Space. Bailter Space did a stunning piece of music called Projects. And so I lined these up. I've done a little bit of editing, but the first one, the first, it, it just plays normally. I'll play it for you. Here is my, um, I am tabling this as this is how you spell in music. I've stolen Bale to Space's music. I've stolen the greatest speller of all time, Rebecca Sealfon, S-E-A, 
A-L-F-O-N. Look her up on Facebook. Yes, she is there spelling, and she's marvellous. Here's Balter Space and Rebecca. This rocks. You and him. Is what you meaning good? Is what Anna meaning name? Yes. Hey! You and him! She still has to spell it. E! Look her up. She's worth it. Rebecca Silfon. You own him. E-U-O-N-Y-M. Yay! Media stick next. Curiosity not only killed the cat, it spawned a whole radio show. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless. On Radio Live. I have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Casserly. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. Paul Casserly on the line from the Independent Republic of Independent Republic of the North Shore in Auckland. Hello, Paul. How's it going? Not too much detail. They're not going to track you down just with North Shore, are they? No, it's all part of the super city now. I think you're fine, Graham. Okay, thank you for the correction. So, yeah, it's just I'm, we're up there with people like you, fancy people that are over there in Greyland. Um, now, although we have to pay for our bins. Did you ever? Did you see Rebecca Silfon? Uh, ever ever hear her do her spelling thing in 1997? The spelling bee champion. No. Oh, marvelous! Just. Uh, a, a stunning, stunning performance. I just want to hear a bit of it again. You and him. Is what you meaning good? Yes. Is what Anna meaning name? Yes. You and him! She still has to spell it. E! Yeah! <laughs> oh! <laughs> M! Y! <laughs> yes, that's the way to do it. What was she spelling? Euonym. E-U-O-N-Y-M. And she took it out in 1997. And then she wrenches the trophy off the organiser, who's an old man in a suit. Just wrenches it off him. It's so well worth a watch. Look her up. Okay, Paul. such a nerd. I was just thinking of that because of uh, Aretha's death and everybody's playing R-E-S-P-E-C-T and nobody was asking why do do you feel it necessary to spell it? So there you go. Right. All right. 
Um, now, we've got some Aussie news, and the final solution was wheeled out. Do you just want to hear the audio first? Yeah, so this is, um, this is a, a chap called um, Fraser Anning. This was, I think this was his uh, first speech as a senator. This is, I think, his maiden speech. Okay. Hi, I'm Paul Barry. Welcome to Media Bites. So let's go straight to this week's racist row. Final solution to the immigration problem, of course, is a popular vote. Final solution. Well, I've heard that before. The final solution, of course, part of Hitler's plan to exterminate the Jews during World War II. Aha, nice one. The Holocaust. Did you intend to be racist and hateful? Uh, I didn't even think about that, Georgie, funnily enough. Thinking? Yeah, maybe that's not his uh, strong point. Final you're solution. You're talking about immigration and you talk about the final solution. It's a disgrace. You should apologise. Wrong. And of course, he said, the reporting's all wrong too. <clears throat> it was just two words. The thought police have jumped on it. I've taken it completely out of context. Really? But the context was banning and branding an ancient religious group. Next, he's going to say he's been silenced. It's shutting down debate. Oh, come on. And he was spruiking his white Australia policy all over the media and bashing Muslims to anyone who'd listen, uh, like uh, Alan Jones. I think the safest thing for Australians is that we don't have any of them. Remind me. Who is this guy? This is a guy who's in the Senate because he got 19 votes. And won't he just love the publicity? So, what does a man in the hat whose grandfather came from Lebanon think about his colleague's speech? It was a magnificent speech. It was solid gold. And he is the party leader. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that, that was actually a little clip from Media Watch Australia um, hosted by uh, Paul Barry. It's actually a great little uh, watch. and He does little, uh, if you follow on Twitter or something like that or Facebook or whatever, you'll get little uh, three-minute clips of what's happening on Australian media every week. It's well worth it. It's well worth a watch. It's, uh, it's kind of like a televisual version of the media watch here on RNZ. Yeah, he's really good. He's really funny, that guy. Yep. So, yes, so that was the big, that was the, uh, the, a big kerfuffle about this senator, um, and Bob Catter, so he's part of Bob Catter's party. Bob Catter's the, he's kind of, he, I don't know, he might even be slightly crazier than Pauline Hanson's One Nation, but he's a, he's a character, my God, he's, he's awesome. Like, he's so entertaining and so weird. How many, and, how many kangaroos or uh, wild animals do you think he's shot? <laughs> he, he looks like somebody may have shot a lot of them. He, he is, he's something else. Um, I, I've got to say, though, that, that there's, um, you know, the fact that this guy, he used the term final solution. It was accidental. I don't think he had any, any he wasn't trying to link it up with, uh, with the Holocaust necessarily. I don't think it was like some clever little thing where he pretended he didn't know what it meant. But, so, um, so the accusation that he was levelling or his co-party member was levelling that they're just jumping on it in a feeding frenzy may be the case. I think that, I actually, you know what, I think there's quite a lot of truth in that. And in fact, you know, and there's so much hypocrisy uh, in the, the the people from the other parties, from Labour and from the Liberals, and they're all kind of joining forces and saying, this is terrible, this is, this is, you know, appalling. But it's actually, it's kind of like, you know, it's, he, he, he didn't really know what he was saying. All the other stuff he's saying is terrible. He basically, these people are obsessed with Muslims who make up like, 1.8% of the population of Australia, but for some reason they think they, they're under attack. You know, these, these old white conservative guys who... Any, any slight change in the temperature of the water sends them into sort of a mad frenzy of mm. fear. 
and this is you know the whole one nation thing it's it, they're so obsessed with it it's, it's quite crazy but i think in this case actually everyone jumping up and go oh my god you can't say the words fine you know i don't think the words final solution only mean the holocaust no i mean it, and it was unfortunate that he made it in a speech where he was basically saying he, he wanted to ban yeah. Uh, a particular religion, a religious group, because he, he's afraid of them. So, you know, you can see why people drew, drew the parallels. But yeah. uh, These, these things can happen, Paul. I was, watching the, I was watching the German uh, famous, famous cook, Wolfgang Puck, and he had a wok, and it had, he was cooking something in a wok, and he put the stock in it, and it was full of liquid. And he unfortunately said, to, it, you've got so much juice in here, to get rid of the juice, turn up the gas. And it was just like, oh, oh no, did anyone hear him say that? He didn't mean it, it didn't mean anything by it. It just sounded shocking. Yeah, yes, that's right. And he I, happened to be German. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's interesting. Have we, got an, have we got another clip there of Bob Catter? Yeah, we do. Yeah, because he, he goes on about it a bit more. And in this clip, it's quite, um, he's really funny about, this, about, about his, uh, his senator, who basically says doesn't read books and probably wouldn't have ever read a history book or not, you know, and never will. That's but, more damning, actually, than the first thing he said, isn't it? But interestingly, also in this in this clip, you're going to hear, uh, and you you might have to listen a bit carefully, but the journal, a, a journalist points out that Mr. Catter's uh, grandfather is actually Lebanese because he's just, you know, he's he's his party is all about um, Australians for Australians and, and no immigration and. And, and so forth. But he gets really upset when she points out that it's... Just have a listen to it. He's, but he's so entertaining. OK, here we go. Are we racist? Well, we're Australians. I don't know if that's racist or not, but we're not apologising for it to anyone. It was a magnificent speech. It was solid gold. And he stumbled on a bit of a malapropism there. And, hey, he didn't go to university. So this place really smart, right? But he hasn't read all the history books. He wouldn't know what any of this means. Um, 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 nor, I think, will he be spending any time finding out. Get out of this country. You are not wanted here. Um, this country will belong to Allahu Akbar. Um, and as I say, God would be ashamed if his name was being used by these extremists. And there's a lot of good people coming out from those countries. But China, we can't afford to take the risks anymore. Given your grandfather's Lebanese, how do you feel about No, he's not. He's an Australian. And I resent strongly you describing him as Lebanese. That is a racist comment, and you should take it back, and you should be ashamed of yourself for saying it in public. And no clarify, is your party racist? I just told you. We are Australians, and we are... Abs- yes, it is. Yes, it is an answer to your question. And if it's not, then I feel sorry for you. If it's not, then I feel sorry for you. Go! Oh, I love his, his, his setting is just rage from the out, out from the, the get go. Yeah, but his father is his grandfather is was born in Lebanon. I don't know whether that means you're Lebanese. Paul, Paul, that's racist. How can you You've know? heard Mr. Um, thing Cantor. You've heard him go <laughs> off, and he's warned you once, Paul, that citing that his grandfather was Lebanese is racist. And just one more thing on that particular mm. issue. There's a very good cartoon strip in the Guardian. But it's called First Dog on the Moon, and this, the latest edition, covers this this uh, incident quite well. But really, it gets stuck into the hypocrisy of the other parties jumping on, on the bandwagon of you know, to be so proud of the fact that that uh, this they've never said final exactly, solution, even you know, the, even in a chemistry lab. 
you know that you know that that's the greatest moment in Australian politics. Or the the, the two sides are coming together and going, no, we stand against right. the final solution. It's like, meanwhile, you know, you've got these uh, Guantanamo Bay style uh, mm. internment camps full of brown people. Yeah, I think Mingala really. still make agricultural equipment. Joseph Mengele's uh, family. You just see it on, you know, sides of warehouses and things like that. Really? Yeah. Were they, uh, seriously? Are yeah, they made tractors, things that generally run on two-stroke motors or, you know, things that turn around and do things with dirt and plants. Oh, it's a bit like Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There was one thing in a couple of those cuts that you played me, Paul, that has me scratching my head. There was that moment, you must recall it in the previous cut, he said he's only there... This is someone who's... Uh, it was in the media um, review thing. He's yes. there because he's got 19 votes. Oh, yeah, there's something... Yeah, I think there was a... I think, and I'm not 100% up on my Australian politics, but I think he was... He, he got in a very... On a very slim margin. Um, oh. But I think it was to do with the... Remember when all the other... When all the... Any politicians who had dual citizenship got kicked out. Mm-hmm. And I think he got in, um, in in one of those situations, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But yeah, he he had a pretty slim margin. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, the, the, they do. Uh, the, it's interesting. I, I'm kind of fascinated as to why we don't have that style of politics in New Zealand. Why we haven't quite got to the one nation level of um, yeah. stuff. Because you know that surely those that those feelings are out there. Um, in the country. Well, maybe not so much in New Zealand, maybe, you know, and th- thankfully. Uh, maybe Winston Peters has somehow closest, yeah. um, distilled it a little, not, sorry, diluted it a little bit. Because um, he, he used to go there, he used to talk about the, the Muslims being a, like a seven-headed serpent that was going to attack us, you know, especially during the post-9-11 years. He was, he, he was very, mm. his rhetoric was very much along these lines, but yeah. he's completely gone off it now. And just today in Parliament, he said we should g- get rid of the Maori seats and have, um, you know, flat across the board stuff. It's not needed anymore. Didn't Don Brash say that and he had to be cut down from a tree? Um, he, <laughs> he does seem to get away with anything, old Winston, doesn't There you he? go. The smile. Yeah. Um... No ice cream mania this year in MasterChef yet. I'm keeping an eye out because it was the ruination of the last season. But then one of the contestants did this. I'm not <clears throat> counting my chickens before they've hatched. I'm not hopeful yet because this happened. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. Ice cream and she's still in the competition. She says ice cream as much as she can. Oh, there you go. All right. Okay. Has, has Nigella been on yet? Yeah, she's been on. Oh, some sad news. Retired Dutch volleyballer. She's out. Oh. Um, okay. oh here, I've got a quiz for you. Oh, I love a quiz. I know you do. I know you do. Can and, we do it after the break? Okay. Life. The universe. And everything in between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless. On Radio Live. Oh, it's quiz time and I don't even know what shape it's going to take. Or, hello, Paul. Have you got a buzzer there? That's good. Yeah. Um, I just want you to, to uh, this should be easy for you. So this, this really should be easy. So, uh, You're setting me up to there's, fail. There's just, I'm, I'm going to list you some names of people and I want you to tell me the connection between these people. Okay. Meatloaf, Mussolini, Idi Amin, Kerry Packer, Bill Clinton... 
Pope John Paul II, Edmund Hillary. And Edmund Hillary. They were all secret beekeepers. I'll add a couple of more names to see if this helps. And they're all in the same they're all bunch. Connected. They're all connected. You, you could find the connection. James so this is the, this, these are still connected with Ed Hillary and Eddie Amin? Yes, James Joyce, <gasps> Che Guevara, oh. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Che Guevara, he was born Eddie Lynch. Uh, not a bad first five-eighth. He played rugby. His father was a dentist. Eddie Lynch. I like calling him Eddie Lynch, actually. Che Guevara. So you've uh, got it? No. You've said the word. You've actually said the word that connects them. Oh, gotcha. Eddie Amin was a very good rugby player. He yeah. played um, for seniors against, I think it was a second Lions team when they were about to tour South Africa. And Eddie Amin played because uh, he, you know, military establishment, they play rugby. But, but obviously Meatloaf played rugby as well as Mussolini at some point. Ah. So these are people who played rugby at some point in their life. Ah, oh, that is fa- uh, George in their past. George W. Bush. JFK, you can imagine that at that, that Ivy League University. Well, of course, you play, you know, they're pretending to be English half the time, aren't they? Uh, yeah, George W. Bush, there's pictures of him. He played on the wing, actually, for Yale or whatever it was that he went to. I think it was playing for Yale. Meatloaf will be good. He's got a bit of that kind of, um, he's definitely got a, um, a forward vibe. He looks a little like Fran Cotton, who was a front rower for the Lions in 1977. Very meatloafish. I can see it. That, um, that's I, a great array. Yeah, no, it's a great array. I, I got it. I was, on, I was just on Twitter looking, and it was uh, Peter Fitzsimons, the Australian uh, rugby writer, mm. uh, who does quite a good Twitter actually. And he just had this. He, he was he posted his uh, a world rugby. Fifteen of famous people who has who have rugby in their past. Right. Yeah. Actually, when you think about it, Twitter feels like it's made for people like um, yeah. Mr. Red Bandana, Peter Fitzsimons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a good bugger. I quite like him. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to take the atmosphere right down, and I'm deadly serious. I didn't get to play this last week or mention anything about it, but. And if I leave it another week, it is going to be too late. It's still available on the BBC as a podcast or downloadable from their site. Um, it's a thing about a woman called Amelia Bruvis, a Dutch woman, and the program's assignment. And I almost had to pull over the car and have a cry. It, it did grey my afternoon. It is about people in the Netherlands and... You know how they've got euthanasia there if you're, like, terminal? Yep. It's also available for people who are psychologically terminal. So disturbed, so broken, so irrevocably depressed that the psychologists themselves are saying, yeah, probably the best way. I just find it kind of shattering um, to know that there are minds out there like this. You know, you'd rather have your arms blown off than have to live in this brain. Anyway, here's a little bit of it. Seriously. Brouwers, 29 years and I... My name is Aurelia Brouwers. I'm 29 years old and I've treated euthanasia. I've chosen this because I have a lot of mental health issues. I suffer unbearably and hopelessly. Every breath I take is torture. 
In January, this young Dutch woman drank poison and lay down to die. Doctor-assisted suicide and euthanasia are legal in the Netherlands, so hers was a death sanctioned by the state. I'm Linda Presley, and in this week's assignment on the BBC World Service, we explore complex terrain, ending the life of someone with psychiatric illness. You may find what you hear in this programme upsetting. No. This is the story of Aurelia Browers. The recordings you hear of her were made in the two weeks before she died by the Dutch TV station RTL News. I think it's really important to do this documentary to show people that mental suffering can be so awful that death, in the end, is the lesser of two evils. BBC's assignment, it's still available online. I had to have a lie down after listening to that. She sounded happy. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh. Okay. Uh, if every breath is like <laughs> torture. Yeah. You need to understand it, don't you? Yeah. Now, Sasha Baron Cohen, he's having a good run. Oh, he's not having a good run. As we know, he's got this new show, uh, Who Was America? He, he dresses up in costume and makes fun of people, lures them into traps, and his latest uh, victim is uh, the... He's a Sheriff Joe Apero, who's known as the hardcore sheriff, um, locks, locks people up in tents in the searing sun down there in, uh, I think he's Texas, and uh, he's a pro-gun nut. He's a uh, big fan of uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, this time, Sasha was posing as a Scandinavian, a Finnish children's TV host. So you talk, in this, you'll hear him talking a lot of gibberish, and there's little bits of music that um, of which there are little colourful images and little toys and things. And it's kind of done in the style of an unboxing video, if you've seen those on YouTube, that... Mm-hmm which is a huge thing where people um, unwrap things and, you know, a new PlayStation or, or whatever, a new pair of gumboots. Um, but they'll sit and watch people unwrapping these objects and get the, the joy, the sort of, the, you know, the, the joy of um, buying them or having a look or whatever. I don't know. It's a, it's a big thing. But anyway, this is him, and it's pretty funny. I like guns. I, everybody knows I've got a really big collection. I have over 43 guns. You have 43 guns? Oh, yes. I've been collecting them for the upcoming race war. And so, flu overlu, tukufu, and tukufu, antel, patsen, kurt, kurfudletur, yechenemil bloops, pleurfontur, flu overlu. You know President Donald Trump? Of course I know. And what's he like? Great man. I've been with him, introduce him from day one, from all the campaign. Is Dongle Trump very rich? Oh, he's got uh, money, but you know, he doesn't act like he's rich. So do you think President Trump, he's your friend, do you think he might have had a golden shower? Would surprise me. Oh, I would love to have a golden shower. Do you think there's any way you could get President Trump to give me a golden shower? In Finland? Or in America, in Washington, in the White House? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, If he sees this uh, and the way you're speaking, he's going to like you because you think like he thinks. Right. (laughs) 
So he was talking that in front of him, and he was he, he just thought, oh, that must be Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny language, Finnish. It's oh. really weird. It sounds like a two-stroke motor going across the Mekong Delta, doesn't it? Though. Danish is, is the one, though. That's the one that, that even Danish people describe it as. It sounds partly like someone sicking up. <laughs> And they do the oh. lovely stuff. Okay, I am fascinated with this. I don't know where it came from, Paul, but you sent it through me today, to to me today, um, and it is about Maori arriving here, as we know, about 750, 800 years ago. Yes, this um, is. But, yes. But, but, please explain. This is a film called um, Skeletons in the Cupboard. And it's, it seems that the that, that Māori weren't the first people here. There were um, lots of tall Celtic and midget Celtic people and all this sort of all you know crazy stuff going on. It's all been um, swept under the carpet and we're not meant to know it, of course, because of the Marxist um, Māori conspiracy and the, you know, the, the, this is what the mainstream media won't let us see anymore. This used to be on the TVNZ On Demand site, but was pulled off. Oh. This was pulled off um, largely due to the work from uh, um, RNZ's Media Watch. Um, because <laughs> it's, it's part of the whole Martin Dutre world of, you know, the crazy um, half-baked uh, kind of, uh, you know, th- that Maori went the first year. Um, there was all these other people here first, and uh, th- let's just hear the intro to this documentary. The guardians of this land, the Maori, have a rich and powerful culture full of mystique and an oral history that tells of a colourful and ancient past. The official story is that New Zealand was uninhabited 800 years ago when a fleet of seven canoes arrived from the Central Pacific. But a strange thing happened when they got to New Zealand. Their culture changed significantly. They built planked houses with decorative facades, used single canoes instead of outriggers, fashioned terraced village sites with amphitheatres and created complex art forms not seen anywhere else in the Pacific. So what made them change? Was it merely the difference in climate? Or was it that they were influenced by people who were already living here? There are legendary (laughs) stories of little blonde fairy people living in hobbit-like burrows. Oh, that nails it. (laughs) What on earth were we thinking, Paul? Yes, so um, this is it. It gets better. There's there's stuff about um, you know these pictures of giant skulls found during roadworks in Raglan, and these clearly kind of doctored-looking. polystyrene-looking skulls. Uh, you know, it's, 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 there's a whole world of this stuff. Um, interesting that, that TVNZ, uh, we're, ran, we're running it on TVNZ On Demand, actually. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly, I mean, it's a pretty low-budget-looking documentary. It doesn't, it, it's, it's not, um, it, it's not terrible-looking. I mean, if, if you were a bit half-witted, you'd, it look, looks like a legit thing, probably, if you weren't that um, that wide awake. She's well spoken. Yes, no, mm. she is, and 
you know, and a lot of people want to believe that, of course, for other, you know, for, for various reasons. But the thing is, if those people are interested in that stuff, they'd be interested in finding out about uh, Maori art and how culture changed and it changed yeah. over a few hundred years. The classical Maori that we know today, it took ages to develop. People develop because they're isolated. Yes, that's right. Anyway. Um, but anyway, this, this was taken off. Uh, this was called out as being, you know, pseudoscience of, of the worst kind. Okay. And it was pulled off the site. Uh, but it did make me think. I thought, mm, mind you, that this is TVN's on, on demand, which still runs Sensing Murder quite happily. So I'm like, why can't there be stuff on there that's bullshit? Yeah. Because there is. Yeah. So I thought, hmm, I wasn't 100% sure of that. But um, but regardless of that, if you do want to watch this, it's it's been on YouTube for a couple of years, the whole thing. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's pretty boring because it's, it's, okay. it's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, at the same time, I don't know. I just I just found that kind of like, slightly like, well, I, you know, if you're going to keep sensing murder on there, well, yeah, no, really good point, really good point. And there's always that eternal problem. You censor something and those that have made it who have been censored say, ha, 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 see, there is a conspiracy. And in that case, they're right. Okay. Um, hey, Paul, thanks very much. And we'll talk good again soon. Here's our New Zealand accent of the week. It is the lovely uh, Barbara Hoskins. Oh, I wonder if my grandson's got a new girlfriend. I've got an iPhone and an iPad and also an Apple computer. My fingers aren't very agile, but usually the computer makes more typos than I do. It corrects my spelling and says things I don't want to say. You're tuned in. To Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Did I say Shea Guevara's Eddie Lynch? Ernie Lynch. Ernie. Ernesto. Ernesto Guevara Lynch. Ernie Lynch. You're no good. You hear R-E-S-P-E frequency everywhere and think. But this is so lovely. Just a taste of Aretha's Never lovely a man like you. Then you ain't no good. Oh, 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 but they don't know that I'd leave you if I could. I guess I'm up tight. And I'm stuck like glue. Cause I ain't dead. I ain't dead. Ah, that's all class. Skeptical thoughts after new sport and weather, which is coming at us very shortly.